The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the U.S. Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Welcome to the latest episode of On the Verds. This is Zach Spedden, joined by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. Uh, after a drawn-out negotiation process that technically did not end with the deal, uh, Major League Baseball will play the 2020 season. A uh, 60-game slate that's going to begin probably around July 23rd or July 24th. Uh, we're still waiting some details on the scheduling, but the Orioles... We do know the Orioles will play primarily uh, their American League East opponents with games also scheduled against National League East components um, in order to limit travel as the United States continues to deal with the coronavirus pandemic uh, that's affecting the world. Uh, Right now, there's still a lot of unknowns as it relates to the pandemic and how that could affect the season and whether MLB is ultimately going to be able to finish the 60-game regular season plus the playoffs. But for now... Uh, The sport is going to give it a go, and we should see action on the field here in the coming weeks. Uh, Bob, I'm going to start with you. What are your thoughts on how things have developed and uh, how this season could look? 
Yeah, uh, I'm not going to lie. I've had a lot of reservations about, you know, this whole season and with the pandemic and 60 games, there's not much to go on. I hate how we got here with the owners being cheap, making the same offer four or five different ways, stretched over a long time. And I don't even think they should be playing, just like we'll get into it, but Nick in his article says it realistically with the pandemic. I don't even know if it's the right decision, but once I saw the official word that it's it's happening, I can't lie, I got pretty excited just to <laughs> finally get some baseball back in our lives. So it's confliction. That's what I feel. Yeah, I mean, I fully agree. That's kind of – I included that in my piece today that we'll talk about uh, on BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Just what does it mean now? Where do we go from here now that baseball is coming back? And I think just initial thought is that – I was also excited. Like, we're going to get live baseball. This is great. This is awesome. Of course, I'm going to watch it. Um, I think all of us that were maybe frustrated with the whole negotiation process, owners versus players, and you've seen you know people on social media even start to turn on the players, which I, I don't get how you can do that. Um, you know, the agreement was already in place. That's what this is all about. But um, you know, at the same time, I try to stay away from the news. But you know, I, then I feel bad about not paying attention to the news and you see cases spiking up across the country it seems like everything we've done up to this point to stop the spread and fight this virus we we took two steps forward we took 10 steps back it seems like and and so um you know i don't think there should be any sports for the rest of this year personally uh, but at the same time, I'm also really excited. And that's that confusion, like you said, Bob. And I think that just defines 2020. So I, I don't know how to feel at the end of the day. Um, I know personally, this whole coronavirus pandemic is hitting a little too close to home now. Um, and so everything's fine right now. But, you know, it, it's getting scary for some of like my family members. And so that creates a different perspective for me. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we have baseball. Um, it's coming back. Um, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I I had hoped that the negotiations were going to end differently, um, if nothing else, to feel like that there was some progress between the union and MLB um, towards being able to get through this collective bargaining agreement and negotiate the next one uh, without any work stoppage. Uh, and while I remain hopeful that we are going to avoid a work stoppage after the 2021 season, there's clearly still a lot of issues between the two sides that need to be resolved um the players ultimately did agree to report on july 1st uh and ultimately did agree to the health protocols which are still loom large right now especially with you know reports coming out of players testing positive charlie blackman of the rockies being the probably the biggest name so far that we know of who has tested positive but i think like you guys i, I am excited to have baseball back i will watch it um, and there's a lot of storylines, I think, even in a 60-game season, going to be interesting to follow. So, Nick, um, you mentioned this earlier, um, and I would encourage anyone who has not read it yet to go on BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com and read his latest piece, uh, Orioles Baseball is Back, Now What? Um, so, Nick, you really uh, gave us a good rundown, not just on what the Orioles will have to deal with and some of the questions they face coming into this season but some of the rules that major league baseball um is going to have this year and it's certainly a different season can you kind of give us an overview of what things are going to look like 
Yeah, I think some of the bigger takeaways, and I think there's like a 101-page document or manual for this season with all the changes and everything going on, but I think when you look at some of the bigger changes, the universal DH I think is awesome. Uh, I think we're American League fans growing up watching American League baseball. Um, <clears throat> we, we support it. It doesn't really affect the Orioles uh, in that sense, but I'm glad and hope that this is a ongoing uh, rule here that both the National and American League teams stick to the DH. I enjoy watching a lot of National League teams when the Orioles aren't playing. Uh, <laughs> and to watch pitchers bunt and kind of just walk their way to first base is really boring. Um, so good on that. Um, the extra inning rules, starting with the runner on second base, I don't like. Uh, we watch a lot of minor league baseball. We're pretty familiar with how this works. I don't like the rule at all. I don't I don't see the point in it. I just say cap it, kind of like they do in the KBO and overseas. I think it's like 12 innings. If after 12 innings it's a tie, call it a tie um, if we're going to do this. But I don't like the extra innings rule. But uh, the one thing that really will impact the Orioles, and I think moving forward, is that 30-game uh, roster limit that they're going to have. After two weeks, it goes down to 28 players. And after four weeks, it's going down to 26 players. But you can also have a 30-man taxi squad. And I think that's what a lot of Orioles fans are excited to see, who gets put on that taxi squad. Um, you know, I think we're going to see... At the end of the day, at the end of the season, when we look back, I don't think a lot of those bigger questions that we're going to be able to answer, really. Like, I mentioned in the article, Austin Hayes, can he stay healthy for a full season? It's only a 16-game schedule, so we're not going to be able to see that. Uh, DJ Stewart, someone who I think a lot of people have kind of given up on. Um, I don't know if I've completely given up on him, just because he hasn't had that long stretch in the major leagues, but we really won't get to see that this year. Um, Santander, same thing. He was His final stat line was really good, but... Can he remain consistent over a full year? Again, we don't won't get those questions answered this year, but I think we're going to at least, I said that in this shortened season, the Orioles aren't going to make the playoffs. There's no chance of them making the playoffs, even if they were to expand the playoffs. But this could be the most interesting Orioles season, I think, in the last two, three years because of that taxi squad and who we could potentially see. Yeah, it will be exciting to see some pitching depth out of the upper tier guys. I think you're going to see a lot of the triple A, double A prospects like Kramer, Aiken, Bauman, et cetera, Wells, Sedlock, the list goes on. Uh, Neil Diaz. I mean, you might not see him more than like 15 at bats in the 60 game season, but it'll just be fun to have that possibility looming in the back of our mind. And yeah, I love the universal DH. Hope that sticks. I agree. Do 11, 12 innings with extra innings, and if it's still tied, just call it. It's not that big of a deal. Hockey fans will tell you, but yeah. Um, it'll be very interesting. It'll be different, but I, I like the idea of a 60-game sprint. Just let the craziness happen, and every game's going to count a lot more than usual. So. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page as both of you with this. I'm not a huge fan of putting the runner on second base uh, in extra innings. At least it won't carry over to the playoffs. Um, but you're going to have it in, in the regular season. I did see it play out several times in the minors last year. Um, I'm not a particularly big fan of it, and I don't think in a 60-game season we're going to get enough data to know whether or not it actually has an effect on pace of play, which MLB has had been trying for several years now to ultimately bring down the time it takes to play a game. Um, we're not going to know over the small sample size if that works. The DH rule I like. There was a point in time where I was more 
inclined, and I'm talking just in general, not about this year, but in general, to let the National League keep pitchers batting. But ever since MLB went with 15 teams in each league, I feel like they've effectively flattened the two leagues. Because uh, now you have an interleague play game going on every night, as opposed to just, you know, for a couple of weeks at a time in the middle of the season. And so I kind of now am in favor of a universal DH, and I'm glad that they're going to use this short stretch of time uh, in 2020 to test that. Um, Nick and Bob, we... You know, you both brought up the taxi squad. I'll start with you, Nick. How do you think the Orioles are going to use that this year? And who are some of the players you would like to see, not just in the training camp environment, but then also the type of players that the Orioles will be able to take on the road? They'll be able to take three players uh, for each road trip that are on the taxi squad. Can you get into how that works and what type of players you think we're going to see? Yeah, so I I think, again, there's so many rules and changes going on. it's hard to keep track of everything, but I believe I did see that on road trips you can take three taxi squad players, but if you take three, one of them has to be a catcher. But that still leaves two slots open that you can add some of these uh, top prospects in the Orioles system the Orioles can take with them. Um, but the, the key thing is that I believe if you get called up, if you're part of this taxi squad and you, you play a weekend series before you get sent back down, you don't accrue service time. So while that sucks for the players, and that's a whole other conversation, I think for us as fans, we're going to get that opportunity to see a lot of guys uh, this season that we normally wouldn't have. Um, I think as far as the taxi squad, what it's what they're going to make of it is you're going to see those four A guys, the quad A guys like the you know Tom Eshelmans and um, you know Dilson Herrera's. You're going to see guys like that make up the roster. Uh, but then I think you're also going to see you may see Keegan Aiken make the active roster. I don't know. He's kind of iffy one. I think Ryan Mountcastle may be another uh, borderline one, but I think you're definitely going to see guys like Dean Kramer, uh, Zach Lauther, Alex Wells. Those are all guys. Ryan McKenna, Yusniel Diaz. Um, I think all those guys are definitely going to be on there. I think without a minor league season, these were the guys that we were anticipating seeing at the end of the year at some point in 2020. And so now that they have this opportunity, I'd like to see these guys get major league experience time. Um, without sacrificing their seasons. Um, you get a little bit of taste. Even if you only get 10 innings out of Dean Kramer, that's 10 innings against major league pitch or major league hitters. And the Orioles are going to face a brutal schedule uh, with this 60 games. Um, I think what they go, look at the numbers here. Yeah, they went 24 and 52 against the AL East last season. Uh, and then you've got the Braves, the Nationals, the Phillies, the Mets, all finished 500 or better last year. So, there's really no given this year's schedule. So 10 innings against that schedule, I think, uh, says a lot. Um, Ryland Baden, Mason McCoy, other guys too, that I think w- would eventually see a lot more of at-bats. But when you're talking about the top prospects, you may also see guys like Grayson Rodriguez, Adley Rutschman, Dia Hall, maybe a Gunnar Henderson. I think those guys could also make the uh, taxi squad rosters not to appear in any games. I don't think you're going to see them at all. Um can you just imagine if they brought up Grayson Rodriguez to pitch the seventh inning of a game against like the Yankees <laughs> in the first second week of September and something happens to him? Like, but those guys are in camp. Um, they get that experience with the other guys. I think Rutschman especially is the one special case here. We're all kind of thinking he may be the 2021 starting catcher for the Orioles. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the case anymore, but at least he's in camp and he gets to work with Kramer and Lowther and Wells and Aiken. 
Um, building those relationships already with those guys, I think will be huge. I think that's the, the biggest takeaway from this taxi squad stuff. Yeah, Nick pretty much said it all. But another thing to consider is with a three weeks uh, summer training, um, these pitchers aren't going to be built up. So you're going to get what? Four or five innings max out of your starters. You're going to need more pitchers. So I think you're, there's a much better chance to see guys like Lothar, Wells, Bauman, etc. Even if it's just for a few innings here and there. And um, there was something else I was going to say, but uh, I can't remember it right now. Yeah, Aiken to me is, and there's we're going to get into Dean Kramer and Ryan Mountcastle and some of the other players as well on this show. But Keegan Aiken is one that kind of interests me because I thought back when you know, in March and February when we were in spring training that Aiken would probably go to Norfolk for about a month and then would get promoted to Baltimore probably middle to end of May and be in the rotation for the rest of the year unless he came up and just was struggling to the point where the Orioles thought, all right, we got to get him back in AAA. Now I, there's a couple of different ways that I think they could handle him. One would obviously be to leave him in the taxi squad for a little bit not expose him to major league action right away. The other one would be to, especially with the 30-man roster at the beginning, to just go ahead and put him in the rotation. Um, or put him in the bullpen and stretch him out. The model that I actually had in mind when I was thinking about this earlier was Dylan Bundy in 2016. That was different circumstances because Bundy was a guy who's an injury history, whereas Aiken has actually been pretty durable in his professional career. But you know, the Orioles use Bundy for a couple of innings at a, out of, out of, at a time out of the bullpen um, and then built him up to being a starter. Over a 60-game season, that might be a little tough with Aiken, but maybe some shortened version of it could be in play. Um, Bob, would you put Aiken on the roster right away, or would you wait a little bit? If it's not going to cost him a year of service, I don't see why not. You have 30 players. I feel like he was going to be a borderline guy anyway if – this year was normal and with the 26-man roster. So I could see it going either way. Either he starts out with the 30-man roster or he starts out in the taxi squad, building his arm strength up, stretching out a little bit, and then coming in a little bit down the line in case there's an injury or, God forbid, a positive uh, test when it comes to COVID. Yeah, I think the way I'm looking at this whole season for the Orioles, it's just a a 60-game spring training, I think, honestly. So, you know, Aiken, is he a guy that you want to really worry about service time with? I know that's a conversation that I think a lot of people like on the message boards have had. And I think that's a question a lot of people have, and I don't see Aiken as being that guy um, that you really want to worry about getting that extra year of control with. I'd say just put him in the rotation, or at least put him in the bullpen, like you said, Zach. Put him in the bullpen and let him work an inning or two at a time, or two or three at a time. I think with all those starting pitching prospects, honestly, this is the year with those expanded rosters and taxi squad rosters. I think this is the year where they don't have to be thrown to the wolves. It's already going to be a hard enough schedule. Just stick them all in the bullpen. Let them use use them as openers. Um, really use this whole season to ease their way into it and then go full strength in 2021. That's, that's how I'm kind of viewing it and what I hope they do. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I think that there's something to be said for that because I think that's one criticism the Orioles have received a lot over the years um, is kind of throwing their younger pitching prospects to the rule, to the Wolves, uh, mainly to make up for a lack of depth at the major league level and in AAA to a certain extent. But I do think this is a year where you can experiment with some things, especially because even in a 60-game season, I 
think the expectations for this team were pretty low. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, because you're looking at a, a tough AL East and then a National League East, whereas Nick mentioned four out of five teams finished over 500 last year. Now, in a 60-game season, you know, remember the Nationals were below 500 uh, after 60 games last year, then ended up winning the World Series. So a lot of things can happen, but I don't necessarily expect that all four of those teams, or even three out of the four, are going to be a lot weaker than we would expect them to be a 162-game season. I think the really only truly bad team in that division is the Marlins. And you're not going to play enough games against the Marlins um, to make up for having to face the Yankees, Rays, Blue Jays, Red Sox, and the other four National League East teams. Yeah, I think I saw we had the third highest or hardest schedule in the American League. I would be shocked if we're not picking top three, top five again at the worst. Yeah, I think just in the AL East, if we're playing 40 games against those teams, I mean, I think the I don't think the Blue Jays get enough credit. Um, if if they're allowed to play in Toronto this year or not, apparently they have to they're petitioning the government right now to be able to play because the border's <laughs> still closed. So we'll see where the Blue Jays are playing. But I don't think the Blue Jays get enough credit when they have you know the Bichette, Biggio, and Flatty Jr. Uh, they have that trio, and then they also picked up uh, Ryu from the Dodgers, who I think is a quietly a, a really solid starting pitcher. So um, the Rays, of course, are going to be the Rays. It, it's the AL East is going to be an extremely tough division. And I think with this shortened season, the Yankees roster is seems to be healthy now. I think everyone's going to be, pretty much everyone except Severino, who's out for the year, is going to be full strength and ready to go. So it's going to be brutal this year. So that's that's why I just look at it as a big, long spring training. Enjoy it. We yeah. can. Yep. We were touching on Keegan Aiken a little bit, and I'm actually going to have a story up on Baltimore Sports and Life tomorrow that focuses on specifically how Keegan Aiken, uh, Dean Kramer, and Ryan Mountcastle could be utilized um, during the 60-game 2020 season. So I want to get Bob and Nick's thoughts on the other two players in that group, Kramer and Mountcastle. Bob, I'll start with you. Kramer... Um, generally regarded as a better prospect than Aiken. We had him above Aiken in our top 30 list, but he also does not have anywhere near as much time in AAA as Aiken. He seemed like a guy who was definitely going to go to Norfolk um, at the start of the 2020 season and be there you know, for potentially a few months. Uh, do you think the Orioles changed their approach now and decide to go ahead and put Kramer on the roster, or do you think that they still hold him back for a little while? I feel pretty much the same way with Kramer as I do about Aiken, although I do think he is a better prospect and worth keeping that extra year if you can with him. But again, with 30-man opening day roster, it is a possibility you put him in there and you start him in the bullpen. Maybe you don't use him as part of the regular rotation, but you make sure he gets his innings here and there. Or again, I could see him doing the thing where they put keep him on the taxi squad, get him stretched out have him work a little bit because it, it has been a while since he's been in camp and he's shown what they had but I think he impressed them quite a bit in the spring training that we had so I do think we'll definitely see him at some point I could go either way as far as if he starts the year starts the season with us or if he comes up a little bit later yeah I like the idea of maybe keeping him on the taxi squad at first and then maybe bringing him up when you know you're going to have like a Wade LeBlanc. I'm assuming he's going to be in the starting rotation or a Tommy Malone. 
maybe pair him up with some of those guys, some of the back of the rotation arms, um, bring him up then and let him go, you know, four. If he can go five innings, great, but let him go four innings and piggyback off like a Wade LeBlanc who goes maybe three innings um, and then send him back down and then let him work on his stuff, uh, get in the bullpen, get his side work, uh, and then maybe come up in, in another week and a half, two weeks and make another start. And, and I like that option because I agree that Kramer's a much uh, – much more highly touted prospect. I think his ceiling's a lot more higher than Keegan Aiken. Um, and, and so I like, I don't know about sticking him in the bullpen right away personally, but I do like being able to stretch him out and giving him those longer starts at the major league level, at least. You know, some accent is better than no accent for him this year. And although they're going to try, I think with the taxi squad, you know, I, there's still some questions there about exactly how that's going to look. Will they occasionally be able to play? other teams taxi squads is going to be all inner squad games there's still some of kind of some questions there but regardless it's not going to make up for even a competitive minor league season so i think getting kramer in there at some point is important and like bob said i i kind of think it's inevitable that kramer is going to be on a major league mound pitching in the major league game at some point this year it's really just a question of when and not if um if service time does come into play I might be inclined to hold him back a little bit because, as Nick said, he's a better prospect than Aiken. You might want to put the service time there, which Bob also mentioned. You know, you might want to gain that extra year of control if you can. Um, do you think, uh, I'll go back to you, Nick, do you think it would be better to go with him in the bullpen um, at first and stretch him out, or would you, you know, like the piggyback option that you mentioned, or put him right in the rotation? Yeah, I like the... I personally like the piggyback option better. I, I think like, going off that idea of, again, you get to ease him into this season. Um, and he doesn't really have, I don't I don't have his numbers in front of me, but he, like you said, he didn't make very many starts at all in AAA. And, and I know AAA seems to be kind of that unnecessary level for a lot of organizations now, and you're facing a lot of 4A guys or whatever. But I think Mike Elias, what we've seen so far is that Mike Elias has said, like, you're going to go to AAA and you're going to graduate from AAA first. Um, and, and so I like that approach. Uh, there's there's no reason to, to rush these guys because they're not going to be competitive this year. They're not going to be competitive next year. And, you know, with with another deep draft coming next year, let's go get that other top pick and let's bring in another top 100 prospect and, and let's see what happens. But for Kramer, yeah, I like the idea of maybe giving him longer starts at the major league level, um, but keeping him on the, maybe keeping him on that taxi squad at first because – Again, I was trying to find this before the show. I know I saw a tweet or something that had laid out the Rule 5 um, and draft and what service time means for that, and, and I, I can't find it now. But it would be interesting to know what that service time limit is. And so if you can hold Kramer off for like two months and let him go put him in the rotation for that last month of the year and get five, six starts, I think that would be good for him. Yeah, I agree with all that. And with the new Rule 5 – the way the Rule 5 is working now with the shortened season, I wonder if the Orioles are regretting letting um, Michael Rucker and Brandon Bailey go when they did. Yeah, that's a good question, Bob. I I have to wonder that, too, because I we both thought, or all three of us actually thought, um, back during spring training, that both of those pitchers still had a good chance of making the roster, and they were ultimately both cut in March. Um, to uh, follow up on what Nick said, Kramer made just four starts in Norfolk last year at the end of the season. He struggled over those four starts, but again, a small sample size. Overall, his 2019 was really positive, and we were expecting him to build off of that 
this year. Um, and in normal circumstances, I think if Kramer were not in the majors right now, assuming you know he'd be healthy, um, if he were not in the majors right now, he would be really close to being there. Um, I think that even if they do hold him back for a little while, he should get some appearances later in the year, um, in part just to get him some competitive action, but then also to use as a tune-up for 2021 so that you have a better sense of whether or not you can plan on him being on the opening day roster next season or if you want to put him back in Norfolk for a little bit and see if he can stretch out in AAA. Um, I'm going to move on now to Ryan Malcastle. The circumstances with Malcastle are a little bit different than with Dean Kramer and Keegan Aiken. And the reason for that is that Trey Mancini will not be playing as he uh, continues to recover from colon cancer. Um, so the Orioles do have a need for an extra bat in their lineup. And although I know that Malcastle might not be a completely polished prospect, I think he is the best internal option to replace Trey Mancini at this point. But all three of us are pretty high on him as a prospect. He was high on our top 30 prospect list. That is a guy that if he reaches his ceiling, you are going to want that extra year of control. Um, Nick, what do you? how do you expect the Orioles to handle Mountcastle? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> and, and I've seen other Orioles fans, you know, it seems split. I think if you polled Orioles fandom, I'd, I'd say probably half would say put him opening day starting lineup. And the other half would say keep him on the taxi squad, keep him in the minor leagues uh, for another year at least, or for a few weeks at least. Um, I think if you look at the outfield, you've got Austin Hayes starting center fielder for sure. I think DJ Stewart's going to be healthy now when the season starts from his ankle surgery, so he probably gets a lineup spot. Um, Santander probably gets a lineup spot. And, and so I'm wondering if the Orioles use this opportunity to go ahead and maybe bump Cedric Mullins back up. Um, maybe use a guy like Mason Williams, bringing him up uh, at the beginning of the year, putting him on the active roster, and so that way they have five, six outfielders they can use already. Uh, and then maybe keep in Mountcastle in the taxi squad at first. I think the kid's been pretty young at every stop in the minor leagues compared to his peers, and he's dominated at every level. International League MVP, I don't know what else he has to prove in the minor leagues. I mean, yeah, he, he can work himself into two strike counts pretty often, but his hands are so quick, and, and he's so good at hitting with two strikes. He's He turned Harbor Park, which you know, that's a ballpark that I grew up going to every summer, and it is hard to hit home runs there. And I know AAA had the juice baseball this year, but he turned that right field uh, porch at Harbor Park where the wind just sucks in towards home plate uh, off the water. He made it look so easy driving balls out there the opposite way. Um, I say just if you're going to use him as an outfielder, use him as an outfielder. Put him in left field on opening day. Why not? I mean. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) you can't. I could not argue. (laughs) <laughs> and I can see why they would if they kept him down to get that extra year of eligibility. But I'm with you, Nick. I mean, let's see what the kid can do. We're going off your spring, tra- your 60-game spring training thing. Let's platoon him with DJ Stewart in left field. When he's not playing left field, put him at first base. Put him at DH. Let's, let's just let the kid hit major league pitching and show us what he can do. Yeah, I, I'm ready. I it's kind of in the same situation with Kramer where I think it's inevitable that you see him at some point this year. It's just a question of when the best argument for putting him up in the major leagues right away is again, some competition is better than no competition. And if you really want to continue to develop his bat, 
um, let him go up and try to play right away. The extra year is something that I am anxious about. But at the same time, while I am high on Mountcastle, he's also not a lock. He's not what Chris Bryant was when he came up in 2015, where you knew Chris Bryant's going to be a great player. Um, and the Cubs, you know, like that decision or not, knew that and kept him in the minor leagues for a month when he didn't need to be there. Mountcastle is not as advanced as Bryant was at that point. The ceiling for him to be a legitimate middle-of-the-order bat is there. But I, the more I think about it, the more I do lean towards maybe putting him up right away. But my mind has changed on that five or six times leading up to the recording of this show. So it could change by tomorrow. It, like you said, Nick, yeah. uh, if you polled Orioles fans, it would probably be 50-50. Yeah, I, I mean, with the whole pandemic and the financial situation of baseball and owners crying extremely poor now, I... My thought would be, you know, with this whole service time stuff, with a kid like Mountcastle, I get the extra year. If between Mountcastle and, and Aiken, and, and Mountcastle is definitely the one that you want that extra year with. But and like you said, he, he is risky. But if you bring him up now and he he hits the ball and he plays decent left field and he's really good, give him a contract and don't worry about that extra year of eligibility. But like, are any that was the big thing of the last year or two is signing those guys, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Eloy Jimenez, getting those big contracts early on. Some of them before they've reached the major leagues. I don't think you're going to see that in the next few years. So maybe that plays a role into it too, where they go ahead and just say, we're going to keep that extra year because it's kind of a wasted season and, and keep him down. I, I want him in the major leagues opening day, put him in there, but I don't think he will because of that reason. Well, yeah. my thing is, if he performs well right away, well, then he's proven himself all the way up to the major leagues, and that's great. He's a good player. You can work with him from there. But if he struggles, you can send him back down and gain that eligibility later. So it's kind of win-win in my eyes. He, just put him in. Just put him in the lineup. Yeah, and it's, you know, there, and like I said, he's not a completely polished player. There are still questions about his defense. There's questions about, you know, whether he's going to be patient enough to succeed at the major league level. But from a t- statistical standpoint, especially with his power, he doesn't have anything left to prove in the minor leagues. Um, and you have both mentioned playing him in left field, which I would like to see this year. But if you think his defense needs a little bit more time to develop, you can stick him at DH. You have the flexibility there to say, all right, well, you know, left field is not working. We'll revisit that later. He's going to split first base and D8's duties. There's a lot of things the Orioles can do that if his defense is not quite where they want it yet, they can make up for that later. I know that the service time thing is risky. um, And like Nick said, I think that given the financial state that Major League Baseball, you know, finds itself in right now, will owners be more cautious about letting those larger, those extensions for players um, coming right up to the majors? Uh, be part of the game for the next few years. I don't know, but it's certainly something the Orioles would have to explore. I think if Mountcastle comes up and proves himself quickly. So one um, other thought that I, a couple of other things I wanted to get to on the show. Uh, we talked about Diaz a little bit earlier. That was someone that we thought at the beginning of the year that if he was healthy after losing a lot of time last year due to injury, um, that if he was healthy this year and the bat came back, we could see him in right field in September. Um, the circumstances right now 
throw that into question, and I should note that Diaz is not on the 40-man roster, so that'd be one more thing for the Orioles to consider if they were going to bring him up. Uh, but I'll start with you, Bob. If Diaz is in the taxi squad and stays healthy, do you think we see him uh, maybe over the final 30 games of the year? I think it's possible, but if I had to bet, I was I would say we don't see him this year with only 60 games. over. If we had a normal season, 162 games over six months, I do think we would have seen him by the end of the year. But I do, I do think there is a chance. I definitely think he'll be on the taxi squad and with injuries and whatnot. Definitely a chance you could see him up there. But if things don't go too crazy, I, I think they're going to just let him you know, develop. Maybe at the very, very end of the season, they might want to try to get him a couple of bets. Yeah, I think it's more likely we see. When you have DJ Stewart and Santander and Mount Castle and Austin Hayes already, I think they go ahead and probably just keep Diaz down uh, this year. You know, Unless they struggle, you wonder maybe they bring in another veteran outfielder as like a stopgap to help get them through the year. I, I don't know, but um, I think Diaz, Diaz is kind of, I think, is the one, that was a name that first popped into my mind when the Orioles drafted Kerstad. You know, it kind of seemed like, Diaz is going to be that starter in right field. I love his arm out there. I think he performed very well in spring training two years ago. Um, when he's healthy and buoy, he knocked the cover off the ball. Doubles, home runs, high on base percentage. That's what we wanted to see. But I think at the same time, Diaz is going to have to start proving himself, proving he can stay healthy because he's got competition now coming up behind him. Yeah, you're exactly right, Nick. And that, that is something that down the line is going to be interesting to see if the Orioles get to a point where they're going to have to decide between Diaz and Kerstad. Um, in the more immediate future, I w- tried to confirm this before the show, and I couldn't. I believe Diaz would be Rule 5 eligible after this season. So adding him to the 40-man roster in the fall would be an inevitability at that point, um, even if he does stay in the taxi squad all year. So I think that the paths for him to get to the majors in 2021 would still be there. Um in theory, the Orioles have enough depth that if they don't feel the need to bring Diaz up, they won't have to. Because, like Nick said, you could try DJ Stewart. You know, you could tr- give it. You know, Cedric Mullins another run at the major leagues and see if he can kind of get. Yeah, you know, some of the we, we can start to see signs with him again that made him for a while one of the top prospects um, in what was at that point a weaker farm system, but still nonetheless he was one of its top prospects. Um, so my gut instinct tells me we probably don't see Diaz this year, but if the Orioles burn through enough of their outfield options, realize they don't work, um, know that they're going to add Diaz to the 40-man roster after the season anyways, maybe they give him a little bit of a trial run in the majors, which could be the difference between him either starting the year in the majors or could influence his minor league assignment, whether that's to go back to Bowie because he you know, didn't get much time there in 2019 because of injuries, or he goes to Norfolk to start the year. I think he would have been in Norfolk had the 2020 season launched as scheduled, uh, but now the, you know, pandemic has kind of complicated things there. Um, one thing that will affect the farm system is the trade deadline, or at least now how the trade deadline has changed. Um, every year it's on July 31st. This year it's on August 31st. Um, teams are only going to have about a 30-plus game sample size to see how players are doing. Um, for Before the season started, Trey Mancini and Michael Givens were viewed as the team's top trade chips. 
Uh, Mancini's not going to be traded now. That That's a given. But with Michael Givens, it, it's kind of a different situation because I think many Orioles fans were kind of waiting to see, all right, is Givens going to come out and have a big first half, and then with a year and a half of service time left, it's going to get traded, and the Orioles are going to get a bunch of prospects back. I don't think that's going to happen now, but the question that comes up at this point is, could Givens still get traded, and are the Orioles able to get at least some value? Nick, I'll start with you on this one. Yeah, I mean, if he comes out hot, uh, for sure, there's still value there with him. I mean, the his overall numbers last year weren't that great, but strikeout numbers, I think, were a career high with him. Um, home runs were an issue, obviously, but that was kind of an issue with a lot of pitchers. Um, yeah, looking at his numbers now, like 12.29 strikeouts per game was a career high. Uh, he was pretty pretty hot at the end of the season. I think he got a little bit better at the beginning of the year. He's I don't think the Orioles used him in the right situation at all. They tried to make him go more than an inning, and he was terrible when he went more than one inning. Um, 4.57 ERA, but a 3.62 FIP. Uh, so, you know, Gibbons was still solid. He's not great, but he's still a solid option. I don't think he's a closer. And so if Givens comes out hot early on, I think the Orioles still have something. And especially if, you know, Hunter Harvey is still there, especially if Hunter Harvey is, is continues to stay healthy and he's effective in the back end of a bullpen, um, I think the Orioles maybe push a little harder to, to go ahead and move on Givens. Um, but I don't know how much of a return they're going to get from him, but I think really that's really their only trade option at this point unless you do like another dan straley type trade they did with the phillies at the deadline there's really no one else i mean like you said man not going anywhere give that man a lifetime contract at this point uh, yep. uh, but yeah hopefully hopefully he's hot and they're able to get at least something from him because you have to imagine that especially relief pitchers this year probably more so than ever are going to be a hot commodity at that deadline for teams wanting to contend yeah, I'm very curious to see what this trade deadline looks like. I can't imagine it's going to be too exciting, too active, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but, yeah, if we're going to trade someone, it'll be Givens. We're not going to get a bunch of prospects for him, but maybe we can find someone to give us somebody we like and a position of need. I don't know. Um, Nick said it. If he starts out hot, he's he's definitely a trade chip, and I think he could help a team down the stretch run. But yeah. you can also hold on to him, too. Because you still have another year. Yeah, there's a couple of different ways that it could go. Um, you know, like you said, Bob, the Orioles still would have the option to trade Givens um, either after the season or maybe some point during the 2021 season if uh, they want to, because they would still have team control over him. Um, the trade deadline is going to be odd because you might have some teams that want to lower the price for players, knowing that all right, well, this is a you know, there's about that point there will probably be 30 some games left in the season uh we're not going to get this player for all that long who knows the you know what he's actually going to give us we're not going to give up that much but at the same time your pool of suitors could be a lot higher because you might have more teams kind of on the fringe of the playoffs especially you know the teams that are looking to get that second wild card first wild card if they need bullpen help um they'll be on the trade that you know they'll be on the market and givens could get moved at this point but I don't expect that the Orioles will get the return they would have gotten if there had been a full season. There was certainly not. It will be interesting, though, if a team like the Astros or Dodgers or Yankees stumble out of the gate, start to feel the desperation to try to make the playoffs, then maybe you get some. 
Yeah, I think you can say that about everything this year, though. It's just kind of <laughs> what's going to happen. Who knows? Like, it's going to get weird. But, um, yeah. you know, it's it's baseball. It's back. Um, and there's also just the fact that we may not even get through the season either. So That's you know, true. Who knows at this Very point? Very true. Yeah, that's certainly true, Nick. And, um, you know, do not take for granted just because that there is a plan in place to start the season means we're going to get through it. Um, for more on how you know the U.S. and the, the world continues to deal with uh, COVID-19 and how that could affect sports, Bob Harkins wrote an excellent piece on Baltimore Sports and Life just a few days ago. I would encourage you to go read that if you've not read it already. Uh, before we start to wrap up here, um, start with you, Bob. Any final thoughts on MLB's plan? <laughs> it took... They took the scenic route to get here, but I'm glad we did finally. And let's go. Let's play ball. I'm excited. Yeah, it's here. Um, you know, I, I think for a lot of people, ourselves included, uh, got pretty frustrated in all of this. Uh, but it's not going to take much for us to get uh, back into the good graces with baseball. Um, it's going to come back again next year when we have to sit, when owners and players have to finally sit at the table together and not email each other. Um, if, if that was the case, I think that they weren't even talking to each other face to face in these negotiations. Um, so they're going to have to come back and do this again next year and it's probably going to get ugly. But for right now, you know, we've got another distraction. This is a reason for people to stay home and just watch baseball for the next two, three months. Um, unless you're in Florida. Apparently the Marlins are thinking about allowing fans next month. But Oh, my goodness. Welcome to Florida. Um, just <laughs> stay home and watch baseball. That's all I got to say. It shows you how great of a game baseball is that with all this crap that we've dealt with the past few months that we can still be excited about it. Even Rob Manfred can't ruin baseball. <laughs> Agreed. Uh so we will be back next week with a very exciting show. We're actually going to update the top 30 prospects list that we did um, earlier this year to include some of the players that the Orioles drafted uh, in the draft a couple of weeks ago. And Dr. Stephen Loftus will be back on the show. Um, he's going to give us some insight into the top 30. He'll be working with us on that. So he'll be discussing that and he'll be discussing the 2021 draft. So a lot to look forward to next week. But in the meantime, continue to follow BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com for new articles. Check out the message board there. Follow us on Twitter at, at BSL on the Verge. Um, for Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens, this is Zach Spedden. Thank you for listening. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the U.S. Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day. And for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry, with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.